0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Uh, we, we're in a, in a ten-part series called Pedigree of a King. As we look at the ancestry of Jesus, and and, and it's going to culminate And um, I just don't know that it's happened here. I don't think it has. We're going to culminate with Jesus on December 25th, 2022, on Sunday morning, because Sunday morning, Christmas morning, is on a Sunday this year. And, And I'm so excited about it, but we're in part two. Last week we talked about Abraham, this week we're going to talk about Abraham's only begotten son through Sarah. Uh, His name is Isaac. Isaac is one of my favorite biblical characters because for some reason, I relate to Isaac. Man, when I, even before this series, whenever I... Um, would be reading my Bible and everything, and they mentioned Isaac. There was just something about him. And it's not for the reasons that most people would uh, would admire somebody in the Bible. Um, see, one of the reasons that I relate so much to Isaac is I'm from a really small town in West Texas, Big Lake, Texas. If you've ever seen the movie The Rookie about the oldest rookie baseball player, Um, that's a story about my hometown, where I'm from. And in this hometown while I was growing up, my dad was the elected sheriff. And it seems like everything I did revolved around that. See, I, I wasn't Kevin. I was Paul's son. I was the sheriff's sun. I mean, like, you know, you're in high school and you hear like some people are watching movies over that. That's what we used to do, kids. We were either driving the drag up and down the, you know, main street of a, of a small town, or we went over and we rented these big DVDs that were in this black plastic case. It's about this big, it's called a VCR. And we would watch movies with each other. Well, you know, sometimes those, those movie watching turn into a little more than a party, right? And if I walk in, like, son. I think felt like that too, Some He was Abraham's son. I mean, like, hey, isn't your daddy the one that God chose out of all the earth to be the father of his chosen people? Yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you live up to that? How do you live up to Abraham? But but, but here's the deal. You know, my dad was the was the local sheriff growing up, and and my brother, my brother, is four years younger than me. But but my brother was uh, he was a big football star. I remember the very first. Uh, I don't even. I think I was living in Lubbock at the time, and my brother got moved up to varsity his sophomore year, and he was playing a game, and I think it was in La Texas, and he steps out onto the field as a sophomore. He was a wide receiver and cornerback. He steps out onto the field after the kickoff, and the very first play he ever stepped foot on a football field, he scored an 80-yard touchdown. First time he ever touched the ball in varsity, right? My brother was a big football star. He was, you know, president of the National Honor Society. He was a local heartthrob. I mean, he looks like Brad Paisley, you know. I mean, he he got, I got all the brains. He got everything else. But on one end, I, I have, you know, the most powerful man next to the county judge, I guess. I've got my dad on one side, and I've got my big football star, little brother, heartthrob, all of this stuff on this side. And quite frankly, whenever I was growing up, I was a sickly kid. I mean, I nearly died. I had half my pancreas removed whenever, you know, the second semester of my freshman year. And I wasn't real good until about my senior year, to be honest. I was a sickly kid. And I just never felt like I belonged because here's my dad. I mean, my dad was an elected sheriff before he was 40 years old, you know, and and here's my brother doing all this stuff. And I just kind of felt somewhere in the middle. I think that's the way Isaac felt because he has Abraham on one side and then years later he has Jacob on the other side. And if you've read your Bible, any at all, you hear of God, often referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham, we, we, we listened to his story last week of what the mighty things that God has done, that did through Abraham. And then next week, we'll talk about Jacob. I mean, the only hard part about talking about Jacob is what to leave out because I don't have time to do a 10-part series on Jacob, and we could. Yet yeah, here's Isaac. Here's Isaac. See, the story of Isaac showed me that I don't have to compare, I don't have to compete, or or live up to others' accomplishments in order for God to love me and bless me. And that's exactly what characterizes Isaac's life. Today, we're going to talk about three things that we can learn from the quiet life of Isaac. The first thing that we'll talk about, and and I I came up with this just so y'all know. I, I came up with this. He rested in the blessed, okay? Now, the Bible says that God blessed Isaac because of his promise Abraham, that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars. So before Isaac is basically even born, he is blessed because of the covenant promise to Abraham. He rested in the blessed, he inherited the covenant blessing from his dad and all that it contained. I mean, like the Messiah. God's own son would come through through the life of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Not only that, but Isaac, get this, in the Jewish faith, it is customary for boys to be circumcised at eight days old. And the reason is, is because that's how old Isaac was when God instituted that Uh, deal of circumcision, right? Which, by the way, we don't shy away from stuff like this that saved the cowboy. And I would like to say that there's a ton of faith that goes into this stuff, right? Because, I mean, can you imagine? God's like, Abraham, listen, in order for this covenant as a sign that we have this signed covenant, what I want you to do is you and your son, Isaac, and all of your male servants, you need to circumcise them. Do what? It had never been done before, right? So, I mean, this is, this is big stuff, and, and it has lasting ramifications. And what I'm saying is, even though we still, a lot of the Western world at least, still practices that deal, and it comes all the way back from Isaac right there. You know, most of what we can learn from Isaac's life is more about what God did through him instead of the mighty things that Isaac did for God. Okay, let's see. What do I mean by that? Well, the big point, the big highlights of Isaac's life, the very first one we we mentioned last week in talking about Abraham is that Isaac was nearly sacrificed because Isaac was the only born son of uh, Abraham and Sarah. And get this, when Abraham went to sacrifice his son as God commanded him to do, did you know that Isaac was probably 13 or 14 years old? I mean, we're not talking about a baby. And one of the allegorical or whatever you want to say foreshadowing was the fact that, no, God did not let Abraham sacrifice his son. It was a foreshadow of the fact that God would sacrifice his only son, right? We know this. But one of the other things is Abraham was 100 years old when uh, Isaac was born. Now, We're talking about Isaac is probably 13 or 14 years old. He's old enough that Abraham is going to think and he's going to go offer his son as a burnt offering, right? He's going to kill him and then burn him, offer him up as a burnt offering. And he makes Isaac carry the wood. I mean, he's, he's big enough to carry the wood, right? The other thing is, think about this. I think we gloss over the details sometimes because you've got a 114-year-old man and a 14-year-old boy. You can't tell me that Isaac probably could have overpowered Abraham, but he went willingly to that sacrifice, just like Jesus went willingly to his sacrifice to die on the cross for us, right? But once again, this isn't really Isaac doing anything. this is just God using him. I mean, big highlights of his life he's nearly sacrificed by his dad you know and and then, um, when Isaac was forty years old, Abraham sent a servant all the way back basically back where he came from to find Isaac, a wife and it was it was a it, it was a miracle because. I think the, the servant's name was like Eleazar or something like that, Eleander or something. And he gets there with this dowry. You know, he's got all the camels and everything because you've got to basically buy a wife. And um, anyway, the servant prays and says, God, I don't know how to find a wife fitting for my master's son. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rely on you, God, and I'm going to pull up to the well, because that's kind of like, you know, the courthouse in town, everything revolves around the well. He said, I'm going to pull up to the well, and as, as these ladies are walking up, I'm going to ask them for a drink. And if they give me a drink and offer to water my camels too, I'll know that's the one. So I guess that that didn't happen very often, okay? So, very first girl walks out. He says, can I have a drink of that? She goes, yes, you can, my Lord. Can I water your camels too? And her name was Rebecca. Once again, here is Isaac with a miracle wife, right? With a miracle wife. And he hadn't done anything to to really deserve it or anything. He rested in the fact that God was going to bless him. He rested in the blessed What are the big highlights of his life? Yeah, he's nearly sacrificed by his dad, kind of a miracle-type wedding. And and, and it really kind of was a miracle wedding because when Rebecca got back, the Bible says that that Isaac, you know, a lot of times back then, marriage was, was a power move. It wasn't for love or anything, but the Bible says that Isaac loved Rebecca. He loved her. He rested in the blessed and finally, probably the last big thing for Isaac was the fact that he had twin boys. He had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Now, Esau was first born. He's the eldest. Everything is, needs to go through Esau. And Isaac is tricked. And he blesses the wrong son because he's blind. And they trick him. But once again, this is just stuff that none of this is really Isaac's doing, but he plays a huge part in the tapestry of, of Jesus's ancestry. What can we learn from the life of Isaac? That we too have a covenant promise in the baptism, in the dying to self of putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We too can rest in the blessed. The second thing that we can learn from the life of Isaac, you know, that we can rest in the blessed. The second thing that we can learn from the life of Isaac is probably the most important. It will probably have the biggest impact on your life if you allow it. And here it is. One of the three things we can learn from the life of Isaac is he didn't try too hard. He didn't try too hard. I mean, Isaac chose peace over conflict because Isaac inherits all of it. I mean, his dad is one of the biggest ranchers in Canaan, okay? huge, huge rancher. When Abraham dies, all of that goes to Isaac. So Isaac is now the big man on campus. And when other people like the Philistines that are are neighbors of his, when there's some stuff over territorial rights and everything, instead of fighting, Isaac is just like, man, if God can bless me right here, he can bless me over here. And I just don't want to fight. It wasn't that he was immune to it, but he just avoided conflict at all costs. He's like, you know what? There's plenty to go around. So if you want to be over here, I'll I'll go over here. And that actually happened several times during his life. And you want to know what, historically speaking, the main... I mean, we're talking about he's 13 when he's nearly sacrificed. He's over 100 when he dies, right? What happened in that deal right there. Well, basically, he just went around and fed his goats and cows and camels and everything like that, but he was really known for digging water wells in the desert. Some of those wells which are still in use today that Isaac did. Isaac didn't try too hard. He didn't try to live up to Abraham's name. He didn't say, you know what, my dad was this and I've got to be bigger than my dad. Isaac just was Isaac, he made some mistakes. Do you know what I really admire about him? One of the mistakes that he made was the same mistake that his daddy made in that the king of the Philistines shows up somewhere where Isaac is and they know each other or they've heard of each other. And the king takes a shine on Rebecca, just like the king of Egypt took a shine to Sarah, right? And they asked Isaac, who is this lovely woman? Well, just like Abraham, Isaac was scared to say that Rebekah was his wife because if that king wants Rebekah, he's got to kill Isaac to get Rebekah. So Isaac said, is my sister. Rebekah's my sister. And then later on, the king finds out that Rebecca is not his sister, but his wife. And the king gets really mad and said, You could have caused me to sin because I was going to take her for a wife, and then I would have committed adultery. And it gets pretty heated. And he kicks, he kicks Isaac out of there. And Isaac went to the Lord. He said, I've sinned. And he just went on. He wasn't. I I, I said. What can we learn from the life of Isaac? He rested in the blessed. But the other thing is he didn't try too hard. And you know what? Even when Isaac messed up, he wasn't too hard on himself. He wasn't too hard on himself. See, here's what we can learn from the life of Isaac. We don't have to do anything sensational for God to love us. I think that we have this idea that, that, it ha- that our faith has to be big and grandiose and, you know, it's going to be like the Old Testament and the New Testament and the newer New Testament that they're going to write about us, right? We don't have to do all of that. Isaac is listed in Hebrews chapter 12 in the hall of basically what is Uh, Referred to in scripture as the hall of faith It starts with you know all of these people And talking about their faith Isaac is listed in there Because he just Spent his life As best he could In quiet Faith in who God is And what God promised What can we learn From the life of Isaac He rested in the blessed He just trusted God Isaac He didn't try too hard. And the third thing, which, you know, you you could probably application-wise, you you probably should get the most out of he didn't try too hard. Because most of the time when we try too hard, we end up pretty much screwing stuff up, right? But the third thing is to trust God when things don't go as planned. And what do I mean by that? So basically, here's the deal. When Rebekah was barren, God appears to Rebekah and says, you're going to have a child. Actually, you're going to have two children. Mighty nations will come from them, and the older will serve the younger. Right? The older shall serve the younger. And when the babies were born, the Bible tells us that Esau comes out first, but that Jacob is holding on to the heel of Esau as he's born right so years goes by Isaac is failing in health and Esau is the apple of Isaac's eye not Jacob Esau was this big mighty guy and like I'm envious of Esau right just imagine some nordic viking warrior that goes out and kills bears, you know, with sticks. That's Esau. And Isaac loved him because Isaac had a real, real high craving for wild game. And Esau would, he was a big, big hunter. He would go out and uh, kill something for his dad. He was the apple of his dad's eye. But when it came time to pass that blessing on, like, the blessing that went from Abraham to Isaac, it should go Isaac to Esau. But Rebecca, she is more, she likes Jacob better. And there's nothing wrong with Jacob, per se. You've just got two different brothers, you know? I mean, my wife is a twin. You know, just because you're twin doesn't mean that you're exactly the same. My mom is a twin, right? But Rebekah likes Jacob, Isaac likes Esau, but God had told Rebekah that the older would serve the younger. She wanted the blessing to go to Jacob and not Esau. So what did they do? They hatched this plan because Isaac is so old, he's basically blind. I mean, I think he can see it. I think the Bible says that he can kind of see shapes and stuff, but nothing else. And because Esau is so hairy... You know, I said big Nordic Viking. You know, I, if I I'm gonna have to repent because I, I get really y'all y'all men with the spiritual gift of facial hair just make me so mad. I just look like a cancer patient when I try to grow a beard or anything. It just ah, oh, what I wouldn't give to have that big manly beard. That was Esau, right? And then Jacob was probably more like me, right? But they had to like cover him up with like this wool stuff so that whenever Isaac reached down to to bless him, that he thought it was Esau. They basically tricked Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And when the ruse was discovered, he left it. Isaac left it. He said something along the lines of, What's done is done. Now, God had the plan, and it also goes to show us that even though it's tradition that uh, the inheritance goes to the oldest, it doesn't always go like that. And as we continue with this, I mean, you would think that the Jewish people, man, we're going to start getting into some crazy stuff with, with people that's in Jesus' lineage of prostitutes and, and Moabite women and people from other countries and stuff like that. But it all started with Isaac's trust in God because he rested in the blessed. Isaac didn't try too hard. It's not that he did, he did anything wrong. He, he was a faithful man. The Bible says he was faithful. He just didn't try to compete with his dad. And later on, we'll figure out that he didn't try to compete with Jacob either. Today, I would like for you on the Sabbath day to learn to rest. You are blessed, not because that you have done anything, but that Christ has done it for us. And now we can rest in that promise that we don't have to be sensational. We don't have to do all of this stuff to earn God's love. He can't love us any more than he already does. We can rest in the blessed. We don't have to try too hard. Not running around and trying to prove ourselves or anything like that. And even when things don't go As you plan, trust in God's goodness. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, I just want to say that in this room are some some people that probably deserve to be in that hall of faith of how they work for you and how they have grown in you and how they trust you. God, let us learn to just know that you have blessed us and you love us and we can rest in that and that we don't have to do big sensational things for God to love us and be proud. As a matter of fact, a quiet faith is a godly faith. I mean, in Thessalonians, God, you said, you know, to make it our ambition to lead a quiet life, minding our own business and work with your hands. I don't know of any verse that describes the life of Isaac any better than that. And God, I pray that that verse describes our lives as well. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.